Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park That's good. That's good. All right, Dan, I think we are live. How you doing tonight, man? You. Good. I'm good. Um, so I guess where I want to start this off is that uh, I noticed that you're an author. You have your own podcast. You're a speaker. You're a consultant. You're actually, I think, traveling right now in your RV or was traveling. And um, how did all this come about, man? We're, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's an interesting story. I mean, we started traveling full-time in our, our RV um, going on two years. It was August of 2020 when we sold our house and all of our stuff. And we've absolutely been loving it. Um, I mean, it's uh, one of the best decisions we ever made. It wasn't an easy decision by any stretch of the imagination. I'd run a youth nonprofit organization for 30 years and absolutely loved the work I was doing, um, you know, working with kids and um, helping them become better human beings. And, uh, it, it was, again, it wasn't a very easy decision. Um, but it was also a way to kind of close, close a chapter on our lives and, and open a new one. And, you know, I've been able to connect with some of my old players since we've been traveling and that's been incredible, um, because it's really kind of shown the fruits of my labor, so to speak, um, for those 30 years. And, uh, you know, the, the RV community is one of the most incredible communities we've ever been a part of. And we were heavily involved in our community back in Pennsylvania. Um, but the RV community, you know, if you haven't experienced it, it's, you know, difficult to really understand what an incredible community it is. Um, not actually in the RV right now. We're in a little little pause and given the, the RV a little bit of a renovation right now. So we're at our uh, niece and nephew's house in Pennsylvania and the RV is out in the driveway with uh, just yanked the dinette out of it and putting a new, uh, new countertop in there and yanking some, uh, some bunks out of it and, and uh, just making it, you know, when you're in it full time and you've been in it for a couple of years, you kind of know what you, what you want and what you don't want. So um, yeah, but we're, we're loving it. We're loving every minute of it. It's an incredible lifestyle. So, uh, so if you don't mind me asking, I mean, what was the decision? I mean, was it just a new lifestyle to something new you wanted to try or, or what, what was the big decision on why to start this process? Um, so it was, uh, I took two solo trips, uh, back in early 2019. Um, one I drove by myself from, uh, Pennsylvania down to Dallas and then 
into Louisiana and back to Pennsylvania on the way back. Um, about a month and a half after that, I did the same thing. Um, drove down to Orlando, Florida and back. And uh, when I was about 16 years old, my mom had decided to, uh, I was living in Pennsylvania with my dad, they were divorced and she decided she was going to leave her job. And she took an old 1967 Plymouth Valiant, took the back seat out of it, put a, you know, mattress, you know, she'd apply wooden a mattress in the back seat, you know, so her feet would be in the trunk when she slapped her head would be behind the front seats. And she just traveled all over the country. She'd volunteer and she'd just, you know, visit friends and family and surprise people. And, uh, you know, I always admired her for what she did. She's incredibly brave to do that as a single woman in the mid eighties. Um, but by the same token, you know, I love telling people about what she did, but it was always her story. I never thought it would be my story. But when I took those two trips in 2019, um, you know, it just hit me. Uh, it was one of the first times I ever traveled where I wasn't on a very regimented schedule. Um, so I left a little early to go to Dallas. I was going down there uh, to the ABCA convention, the American Baseball Coaches Alliance convention. Um, but I left a couple days early, uh, took my time getting down there, you know, stopped in Memphis, um, saw a couple friends while we were in Dallas, went to visit some friends in Louisiana. And it just hit me like, wow, man, this is really why mom did this. You know, just there's an incredible serenity on that drive. And then, you know, the same thing when I went to Orlando, um, you know, I stopped and saw one of my old players in Atlanta. Uh, we hung out for, you know, a couple of days and, you know, continued on that. And on the way back again, I, you know, it didn't go straight up 95. I, I took some secondary roads and, and really enjoyed it. And then when I got back, um, I had written like I hadn't written in many years. So there's almost like a new inspiration um, to sit down and write. I, you know, at that point I already had a book published, um, that was out in 2012 and I was actually in the process of adding chapters to that book to republish it. Um, but it was a long process because I was working a lot of hours and doing a lot of things. And when, uh, when I got home from those trips, I, I wrote probably four or five chapters, um, in what seemed like no time. So, that was kind of like the aha moment of, you know what, um, I've done my work here. Um, you know, maybe I can reach new people, um, you know, by traveling and, and writing more and, and documenting our travels a little bit. Cause that was one of the things I, I wanted to do was kind of document our travels through blogging. And, um, you know, my, my most recent book, the journey, my mother's son is really, um, you know, a lot of talking about, the process that led up to us embarking on this journey, as well as, you know, the first 18 months of us being out on it. Um, and it's, uh, it was one of the things that I, I often thought that, you know, had social media been around in the eighties and my mom had done this, that it would have been pretty cool for her to be able to, sure. you know, document some of those, you know, travels that she had. I mean, we, after she passed away in 2005, we were you know able to kind of look through some of her old travel journals and stuff like that. And to read those stories about the people she met and, you know, the, the impact that they had on, on uh, her life. And then letters that we received from people after she had passed away, um, you know, just telling us about how much of an impact she had made on their lives was pretty special. So that's what, 
made me really want to document it. And uh, I'd been doing podcasting uh, for our organization um, since like 2012, like before podcasting was a big thing. Um, and I really enjoyed that as well. So I talked to our, you know, our producer when I was with the organization as we were making this change, um, you know, and kind of had her walk me through how I could do this on my own. Um, cause at that point I would just go in and do an interview. I had no idea, you know, how it got to the internet after that. <laughs> you know, I, I walked out of the studio and next thing I know, you know, she sent me a link and we were good. Right. So she walked me through that process and, you know, that's what I wanted to do is to be able to document, um, you know, through writing and through, um, through the podcast, just the stories of the people that we met along the way. And it, it's been, it's really been enjoyable. Are you one of these people, and this might be a stupid question, but I'm one of these people that uh, that I enjoy driving a lot. You know, if I get stressed out or upset, that for some reason, like I resonated a lot with what you were just saying. That you know, I like to just either put on my favorite song and just go for a drive and take a, take a different way to uh, point A to point B, and it's, and I feel myself better after I've done it. And I don't know if it's just relaxing. I sort out my thoughts. You know, I get my frustrations out. But if, I feel like you're one of those people too. Absolutely. Clears the head. Yeah. And and it's funny you said that because uh, probably a little over a year ago now, I I did a blog specifically about that titled The Drive. Um, And it's funny because I I do the majority of the driving um, and I, I jokingly bust my wife's chops about you know, not driving. And we've, we've done like 38,000 miles so far in this journey and she's driven about 70. Um, so I, I jokingly bust her chops about, you know, I do all the driving, but I truly, truly enjoy that more than anything. I, sure. you know, just being there. And, and like you said, it is, and, th- and that's kind of what I felt on that solo trip to Texas and Louisiana and then down to Orlando is just, uh, again, clearing of your head, um, you know, listening to music, and just enjoying that, that scenery. And like I said, it was one of the times that I wasn't on a strict schedule. You know, when, when we traveled with our organization, when I was running the organization, we were always on you know, a strict schedule. I mean, we'd have two buses full of teenage baseball players, you know, on our way to a tournament, you know, three, six, eight hours away. So there's always a schedule. It's like, okay, we got to be at the restaurant, you know, the old country buffet, at 8.30, we have, you know, kids have to eat and have to be back on the bus by 9.30 so we can get to the complex by 11 in the morning or whatever the case was. There was always a real strict regiment of how we were traveling. And I think, you know, that first time of really, you know, taking my time and enjoying the journey is what, you know, spoke to me about doing it. And that was one of the things I remember um, about, you know, my mom's journey is like she would never take an interstate highway. Hmm. Um, I I went with her between my junior and senior year of high school from Pennsylvania to Florida. And, you know, that's a trip that I took quite a few times up until that point in my life, but it was always straight down I-95. Yeah. Um, we're here, like, I have no idea what roads we were on, but there was no I-95 to be found, you know, and <laughs> Um, you know, normally that was a trip that growing up would take us, you know, 18 to 20 hours to make that trip. And I think, you know, my mom and I did it in like a week or 10 days because again, we, you know, we enjoyed the journey and, you know, we're on secondary roads and just places that you don't see from the interstate. So yeah, that drive is definitely, um, one of the most relaxing things 
of this, you know, without a doubt. So we do, again, we try to avoid big cities and, you know, because there's still times where it can stress you out a little bit when you're driving through Chicago or something like that. But for the, uh, for the most part, it's, uh, it's pretty relaxing with the roads we're taking. Yeah. It's something about, I guess, the freedom and, you know, you're venturing a new era, a new city and you're, you're taking away the, you know, the way less traveled, so to speak. And just for me, that's, you know, I took a recent trip to Savannah, Georgia and never been there in my life. And just, it was, a, you know, it's about a six hour drive from where I'm at. And, you know, the whole time I was, you know, just amped and relaxed at the same time and excited. And it was just, you know, check, I took, you know, I took 95 for the last bit of it, but just cause I was following my GPS, but, um, but it was one of those things that when I got to Savannah, though, I turned it off. It was just, you know, driving down roads and just exploring new things. And I wasn't on a tight schedule either. And, you know, plus, you know, I was just so excited just to check out all the new, I guess, all, this, all the new scenery that I've never seen before in my life. And I just wonder if, you know, somewhere down the road, if, you know, and I don't know how to explain this, but just somewhere in a, could be a past life or it could be whatever you believe in. It's just something that just, it just resonated with me a lot. You know, there's something like this felt right to me. You know, and just, or maybe it's just where, you know, people like exploring and just like, that's their thing. You know, I know people who don't, who could care less about seeing new areas in, in the world or seeing new sites and new places or even traveling for that matter. But yeah, there's just, there's just something about it to me that it just speaks to me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, but also I can, I've never dri- driven an RV, but I could imagine driving one and I don't know how big yours is, but going through Chicago or something like that would be a little, uh, a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. Ours is a 33 foot class C. Um, so it's, it's a decent size, decent size vehicle for sure. So yeah, we, uh, like I said, we try to avoid big cities and stuff like that. You know, there's times where, you know, we've done it. I mean, we were actually in Savannah as well on one of our first, uh, you know, right after we started this and really enjoyed that. Um, that, you know, they have a nice visitor center there where you could actually, you know, park the RV, um, and spend the day there, which is pretty cool. Like that's one of the things when we do go to visit is we're always kind of, you know, scouting out where can we park, you yeah. know, cause, <laughs> cause it's not always the easiest thing finding parking for a 33 foot, uh, RV. So the, the difference between Charleston, South Carolina and Savannah, Georgia was Savannah <laughs> could accommodate RV parking Charleston. There was no chance of parking an RV anywhere in that city. But, oh yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, just kind of what you were talking about. I mean, I think, what do you, did you say you have three books out? Three books. Yeah. Uh, and just your life and just your adventures. Is this what's been your motivation behind writing all these? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're all kind of memoirs to an extent. Um, you know, the, the first, again, I call it two books because it's, you know, it was the beauty of a diamond through the eyes of a coach, which originally was released in 2012, but then I added the 10 chapters and released it again last summer. Um, so that really chronicles, you know, my coaching experience and just what my approach was to, uh, you know, to coaching in general, that it wasn't always about winning. It was about, you know, teaching kids life lessons through the game. Um, you know, so that's really what that talks about. And then like the, the 10 new chapters in the newer version of it um, really talked a lot about um, the decision to walk away from that um, and, you know, do what we're doing now. And then uh, the most recent book that was just released back in May, uh, The Journey of My Mother's Son, Volume 1, is really just a collection of, um, you know, what I call random thoughts from the road. So, you know, whether it was, uh, an experience we had somewhere, someone we met, um, 
you know, a certain destination, a walk on the beach, you know, anything that might've inspired me to write about that um, is in that, you know, is in that book. And it just kind of chronicles again, those first 18 months of, of travel and what it's been like for us. Um, and they really are, you know, a collection of random thoughts. There's a little bit of repetition because obviously, you know, you come across the same thing, uh, you know, a couple months away, but it, uh, you know, it really does talk about what the, the lifestyle is like. And that, so that's volume one, because the, uh, um, it'll kind of be a four part series where the next one that I'm working on now is um, just called many little people, which will be, you know, specifically about some of the people we've met on this journey. And then uh, volume three will be many little places, which again will chronicle the, the, uh, you know, different places that we've been. I mean, this is an incredible country that we live in. For sure. um, it is so beautiful. And I mean, we've, so we're, we're going on two years, man. We have just scratched the surface of what this country has to offer. And it seems like every place we go, we feel like, you know, we're not there long enough, you know? So it's like, we, we got to go back. We didn't get to see this, this, and this. Um, so We've been to 39 states so far. Um, many of them, you know, we've got a list of what we want to go back to. <laughs> and then the, the ones we haven't seen, there's there's a big list there. So it, it's such an incredible country. I don't think we give it enough credit um, as to the just the sheer beauty of what is in this country. Um, and then the, the fourth volume of that series is just going to be like a picture book. Um, so it'll just be a lot of pictures. Uh, with a very little bit of writing chronicling again the journey so for people that don't want to read a couple hundred pages that will probably be the book for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i agree um but now i want to go back on what you just touched on a little bit there and that I mean, there's so many life lessons that is actually taught in sports that i i, I want to say they go unnoticed but but i think maybe they only go unnoticed to people who never really played sports growing up or did anything like that they look at it i don't know how i'm trying to say it but they just you know they don't see the life lessons that are actually being taught within the sport and and that's one thing that's helped me and you know especially being at a young age you know playing random sports growing up and through high school and stuff that you know you know you, you, know, you learn about friendship you know about losing you learn about winning you learn about you know treating others with respect you know sportsmanship there's so many things that can come across there and you can take away with and you can learn from the you know, the good times and definitely learn from the bad times and they help you along your journey in life. And, and like I said, I think some people don't realize that and they just overlook them and when, but you actually had to either have to play the sport or be a specific fan to the sport to actually see the deeper meanings other than just winning or losing a ball game, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's one of the things that we've been fortunate to do since we've been traveling is, uh, have the opportunity to reconnect with a lot of my, you know, former players, um, whether it be in Arizona or Texas or Georgia, wherever. And um, most times when we get together, I also do a podcast with them. And it's really cool to see how they're taking those life lessons that they learned, um, you know, through playing the game and are applying them. So it's, again, it's like that opportunity of, you know, as a coach, you're planting all these seeds and many times you don't necessarily get to see the fruit of that labor. And that's been one of the things that's been so rewarding for, you know, both me and my wife, because I mean, she made a ton of sacrifices for me to sure. be able to coach the way I did. Um, 
you know, so I think for her, um, you know, and for myself as well, it's just kind of driving home that impact that we had, you know, on those kids. And again, see, and, you know, I, I'm still calling them kids, even though, you know, they're 35, you know, almost 40 years old in some cases. Um, but I, I tell them all the time, you know, you're always going to be kids to me. I mean, we were able this summer to go to uh, one of their weddings and there are a couple other players there. Um, and that's, that's been so rewarding again, just to see, you know, how they've taken those life lessons and are applying them today, you know, and everything you said from, from teamwork and, you know, knowing how to deal with failure, um, all that stuff applies in business. I mean, if you, if you can't, if you can't be part of a team, you, you won't be successful in business. I mean, it's just, that's just it. (laughs) You can't argue that. Um, so it's really cool to see, um, how they're applying it today. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, as far as the, uh, like you said, that if you don't know how to play as a team, that's not going to help you in business. But, you know, and what I'm getting at, that you need to learn to have these humbling experiences as far as these losses and stuff. And just where kids now seem to get participation trophies, so to speak, and just for running out there and playing the game, it all, all it seems like to me it sets them up for failure down the road just because if it's just handed to them and they didn't actually have to learn you know whether how they lost the game or what they did to lose the game and they just got something for just playing and i guess you know obviously i don't want you know i don't want kids just to face or anybody to face you know certain bad times in your life but i guess what i'm saying is you need to have those bad times and those losses to actually learn from it and overcome these obstacles and challenges and and say okay you know this it'll give you like a kind of a motivation made a motivational factor on learn to handle the next time that situation arises, you know, and just rather than just you get it. If you think everything's just going to be handed to you all the time, I feel like that's just setting yourself up for failure. Then when you learn that it doesn't in the job markets, so to speak, you just lead you down some bad roads. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And we, we always had a term uh, in our organization that we are either winning or learning, mm. um, you know, and I think that's, I agree with you hundred percent you know, to just continue to teach these kids that, um, you know, it is important just to show up that that is step one, but then you also got to put the work in. You also got to, you know, understand the process and you got to understand that you're not going to win all the time. You know, and I, I coached some, some really good teams over my career and I coached some really bad teams over my career as well. Um, and, it was all always our goal that our team was just better, you know, on, you know, day 60 than we were on day one or whatever the case was. And that was really what it was all about. So even, even as a bad team, as long as we were better than we were when we started, that was a success, even if we might've been 10 games below 500 or something like that. And I think that's the thing that, you know, is interesting you know, again, that you brought that up because I did a podcast with one of my former players that we saw in Maryland. And, you know, he, he actually said to me that um, probably one of his, you know, now as he looks back, one of his most rewarding seasons um, was a season he had with me where we were terrible and we were just not a good, well, and I shouldn't say we were terrible. We actually had some talent, but we didn't have chemistry. We had a lot of guys that didn't mesh a lot of individuals, a lot of egos. Oh yeah. Um, 
And he said, you know, he learned so much, you know, today in business from that one season than he did, you know, the following year when they came back and won, you know, three or four tournament championships or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case is. So, you know, again, if you're approaching it, that there's always a lesson, you know, you're, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. I agree. Um, you know, so I think that's the the big thing. There's always a lesson in failure, um, you know, and it's just what do you do to overcome those obstacles and keep moving forward and, and to, you know, eventually be successful. Yeah, you know, and I agree with that, you know, getting those egos out the door. And, you know, and I think there's a time and place for for egos. Sometimes I feel like when I get on this podcast, I start turning down people who have egos. But, you know, it's like you said, though, if you have too many egos at a certain specific time, your team is not going to mesh. And it, and it's not just only for a sports, you know, example either. But, I mean, if you don't have a good workplace culture, too many egos, too many people, this working out for me, 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 not for the team, then, you know, I don't see it ending very well. And I could be wrong. I mean, you know, I'm probably not the man who should be even be talking about it. But, you know, I mean, for example, I mean, if you look at what the what Billy Bean did with the Oakland A's when, you know, all they did was just look at numbers and stats and they didn't really care if you were a big name player or not. And I forgot what year this was. And then the Oakland's would have the uh, Oakland A's had the, what, the longest winning streak of all time. And it can tell you, it can be proven. It's just a matter of, finding that formula like you were talking about and finding what met, what goes together and what doesn't go together. And it takes a lot of trial and error to do that. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's not a science. It's just more of let's sit down and see what, you know, human, human beings can work together as a, get this entire goal we need to, to be finished. You know? And, and I think trusting the process as well, you know, because early on when, you know, using Billy Bean as example, um, you know, that that wasn't an overnight success story. Oh, no. You know, it it took, you know, it took some convincing of a lot of people who it was a you know it was a change of thought process for sure. Um, and it's funny I saw sometime uh, you know some sort of meme on the internet where you know it showed an iceberg of you know that just said success at the top, but then I've seen you know, the the underneath is three times as big that it talks about you know failure and overcoming odds and all that sort of stuff and it's so true i mean people just look at that success but they don't necessarily understand what went into getting there yeah yeah that's a good point that you know they see uh you know uh aaron judge for example out there playing ball and yo yeah he's big time he's doing good you know he's you know an all-star or whatever but they don't understand like what he went through to get to that certain point, you know, and I think that goes under look that he's think that, you know, people just come out the womb being Aaron judge, which he did, but he also had to put in a lot of work that nobody sees. And, you know, early, early mornings and late nights, you know, in order to get to that level. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that there are levels to these games and stuff and that, you know, it takes not only just sitting on the couch and, watching baseball but getting out there and putting yourself through the dirty work and sacrificing those you know friday nights with your friends and and those you know early morning i don't know or sleeping in on in the mornings you know getting you're getting out there and got to get after it especially if you're if that's your goal and that's your motivation and and that's and again that's one of those things that can be applied through just life in general i mean like you, you said it best you get in what you put out of it you get out of it what you put into it yeah. yeah. And we, our, our organization, we always, you know, like the final um, tournament of our season, we'd always take a, a longer trip. Um, and during, you know, part of that trip was to always get our kids onto a college campus and, 
have the college baseball coach talk to him and kind of talk to him about you know what it takes to play at that next level. And um, two of the places that we'd gone to is we went to Coastal Carolina in Myrtle Beach. Yep. And uh, we went to UNLV when we took a trip out to Las Vegas for a tournament. And, you know, the coach at, at Coastal Carolina, like the first thing he said to these guys, like, look, you know, a lot of guys, like they think like they're coming down here and, you know, they're going to be looking at girls in bikinis on the beach. He goes, our guys don't go to the beach. He goes, you, you walk through our clubhouse and ask any one of those guys the last time they're at the beach. And it's probably when they go home on summer break, you yeah. know, and even that's few and far between. And then same thing at UNLV, um, you know, the guy said, you know, our players don't go to the strip, you know, they're not going to the strip because, you know, maybe some freshmen when they come here, they think that's the way the life's going to be at UNLV. Um, but they end up cutting themselves, you know, so like we know the guys that are going to the strip and you know, it's like we purposely schedule our workouts at 5 a.m. because you're not going to the strip. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 5 a.m. Yeah. You know, so uh, he says we have a way of, of, you know, they have a way of cutting themselves if they think they're here to, to go to the strip and not play baseball. So, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of sacrifice that goes into, you know, making it to that you know, elite level of, of, uh, performance. Did you always see yourself as wanting to be a coach or did you knew you were going to be a coach? No, I, I kind of fell into it. Um, you know, we started our organization. Um, I had our, actually started our organization and when we first started it, it was, um, you know, really an adult baseball organization. Yeah. And, uh, it was just, uh, I'd gone to a trade school. Um, so I didn't play in college, but I wanted to continue playing. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M 
Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, so I'd started this uh, this organization. So because I started it, I kind of got thrown into coaching. Um, so like my first year of coaching, I'm coaching guys that I graduated high school with. I'm coaching guys that graduated a couple of years ahead of me. And, you know, that was never, um, you know, my plan to coach. I just started the organization quite frankly, because I wanted to play more <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, here I am because I started it, you know, like, Hey, you're the coach. Um, but I did take it very seriously, you know, right from the beginning. And, uh, once I started coaching the, the kids, um, and I I've coached you know, from every age, from 10 and under on up to college summer league teams. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, once I started the, those younger kids, when I really, really took it to a new level and, you know, started going to coaching clinics and reading books about coaching and, um, you know, understanding that uh, I was teaching them more than just the X's and O's that, you know, I was making a big impact on their life. So, um, so now I definitely didn't, um, envision myself as a coach when I was younger or anything like that. It just kind of fell into it and then I embraced it. Yeah. You know, like I said, when I was playing, you know, sports at that age, you know, there's a couple of coaches I still have that, you know, made a huge impact on my life just from, and just, and just from teaching me something, taking away something from the game or a life lesson that I'll still, you know, embark on this day. And it's a great feeling to have. And, uh, you know, wish everybody could have that feeling because that's somebody you know you don't really plan on you just think it's a sports at the time but it's actually a deeper meaning into it and it's something that probably takes you or for me it took me a little while to understand it and actually have to sit down and reflect on it but then and like having conversations like this and you know we're watching a movie where that happens into a part of the story it's like oh man that's a great feeling to have and i wish most people could experience that and and maybe they do in some form or the other but it's just something more i want to say majestic when it's like that and part of the sports maybe just because you know that just resonates with like you know people like you and i and it's just part of our how we have fun in life and how we learn in life and you know what we are just drawn to and apparently it has always been baseball for you yeah, I mean, I I played a lot of other sports growing up too, but baseball was that thing that just really um, resonated with me for some reason. I was actually probably a better football player, just pure talent wise, but I just, I loved baseball. I loved everything about it just because in my opinion, it, you know, baseball and softball are, you know, the two sports that put even more emphasis on teamwork than any other sport because, uh, and I use this example in my, my first book, um, you know, if the game's on the line, um, you know, in other sports, you're going to draw up a play to get the ball into your best playmaker's hands, sure. you know? So, I mean, you know, the bulls weren't drawn up plays to get the ball out of Michael Jordan's hands, <laughs> you know, when the game's on the line, um, you know, nobody was putting in, you know, a substitute quarterback for Joe Montana or somebody like that when the game was on the line. Um, so you had some, you know, ways to making sure you had the best pieces in place. Um, but in baseball, if, you know, the game's on the line, you know, you're down a run with a runner on second base and your number eight or nine hitter is coming to the plate. 
Like you can't just, you know, call timeout and say, Hey, look, we're going to put our number four hitter in, in this spot because it gives us the best chance to win. So like, right. you're really depending on, you know, potentially your weakest link to, to make or break the team in that moment. Um, you know, you can have the best pitcher in the world, but if, um, you know, if he can't rely on his catcher to catch a breaking ball in the dirt, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, the, I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan. And when uh, the Red Sox got rid of Doug Mirabelli, they had a major problem in the fact they didn't have anybody who could catch a knuckleball from Tim Wakefield. <laughs> they literally made a trade midway through the next season. I don't even think it was midway through the next season to get Mirabelli back. And uh, I remember a game where uh, Mirabelli was actually being escorted by police from Logan International Airport to Fenway to get there in time for Wakefield start um, because it was disaster. I mean, they'd put, you know, Jason Veritek, who was one of the best catchers in the game at the time, you know, he's out there trying to catch Wakefield and he looks like a little league catcher because, you know, he's just running back to the backstop, getting, you know, <laughs> chasing after knuckleballs all day long, you know? So um, that's where I think baseball and softball come in so big in the whole team aspect for, you know, for sure. And I, I want to circle back to the one thing you said about that impact that coaches have on you. Um, something that really drove home to me is I, um, it's probably back in like 2008 or so I had to go to San Antonio, Texas to speak at the national Alliance of youth sports convention. And, uh, part of that was also being able to go see all the other speakers and, you know, just participate in the event itself. And the keynote speaker for that event was Emmett Smith. Oh, wow. And, uh, I remember him opening up his speech and talking about the coach that had the greatest impact on his life. And it wasn't, Galen Hall and it wasn't Jimmy Johnson. It was his very first pop Warner football coach. I can't remember the guy's name anymore. I wish I would have wrote it down and remembered it. Um, but it was his very first pop Warner football coach is who he said had the greatest impact on his life. So again, here's a guy who was a hall of famer, the NFL's leading rusher and the guy that he brings up in this keynote speech in front of probably 700 people was his first coach that he ever played for. And that was like, if anybody in that room at that point didn't understand how important they were as a youth coach, um, they completely had missed the boat. So that, that really drove home for me, the importance of what I was doing as a coach at that time. Yeah. I mean, it means a lot. Just like you said, for somebody, you know, one of the, arguably one of the best running backs who ever played the game, just to say something like that. I mean, it hits home. I mean, you know, with and, and you know, kids at that age are their minds are a sponge, and hopefully that make it a huge impact on them. And and it's one of the things I seems it seems like I overlooked as a you know, like I said, I, I do remember like my first coaches and stuff, but I never took it like the way I feel like I you know I should have taken it. You know, as far as like this is a great memorable experience I'm having, and I should take you know learn every little bit that I can and hold on to every moment that I can just to. You know, because it's going to be over in a you know in a heartbeat, and it is now. You know, like I'm 36 years old, and this was just, I think I started playing you know fourth, fifth grade basketball, and that's the coach I'm talking about. And you know that went all the way up through seventh, eighth grade. And I was like, man, you know, and just we had a lot of good times, and still some of my best friends I've ever made. You know, uh, was all part of that squad, and it was uh, yeah, we still talk somewhat here and there, but we're not as close as we used to be. But it was 
one of those early moment memories that you know stick out to me a lot and hopefully i'll remember it till i'm on my deathbed i guess but yeah just uh yeah it's like i said i've already said i just wish i hope other people have that type of memories whether it not be a coach but at least somebody who can make an impact in their life in some form or another in a positive way and through sports yeah that's it seems like to be one of the best ways to get it too so but, yeah, and, I, and I think a lot of times it's just human nature to not necessarily appreciate that moment when you're in it, but at least you're able to now, you know, look back and connect the dots and understand how important it was. I mean, that's, that's one thing that, you know, through us traveling, um, I think Sandy and I have both, you know, embraced the moment a lot more than we ever had previously. You know, we, we just were a lot more present. Um, both with ourselves and when we're with our family. I mean, obviously the toughest part of doing this was leaving our family, um, you know, back in Pennsylvania, but yet we find ourselves um, so much more present and intentional when we are with them now than what we ever were before. Cause I think we just, you know, let's face it. We just take life for granted. We, we, everybody thinks we have tomorrow and next week and next year and 10 years from now, but the fact of the matter is the only thing that's actually guaranteed for us is this moment that we're in right now. Sure. Yeah. You know, and John Wilborn, he played for the Kansas city chiefs and he has his own podcast called power athlete. And you know, he actually made a great point, very similar to what you're saying to that, uh, um, that when he looked back, when he's looking back on his life and his deathbed, that he doesn't want to be sit there thinking like, Oh, you know, damn, I wish I would have got that new iPhone or, you know, I wish I would have got, that brand new TV or whatever. It's like these types of experiences in life and traveling and seeing new places and, you know, learning to love and find friendship and, you know, meet cool new people along your life journeys is that's what's going to hit home the most for something like that. And like, I mean, when he said that, I think he said it during a podcast or something I was listening to it. I was like, man, you know, and, and this was, I forgot when he said this, probably years ago. I don't know. But I was like, man, that, that hit home again to so much to me. And it was like, man, I hope, you know, I have been looking at life like that. And I haven't, if I haven't, you know, there's like one of these 180 things. I was like, man, I got to start, you know, getting out there. And like I said, you know, when I had that opportunity to go to Savannah, it was for a CrossFit thing. And I was like, never been there. And I was like, I don't care. I mean, if it costs me money, I mean, I don't care. It's not a six hour drop. Okay. No big deal. You know, yeah, gas is a little high right now, but whatever. I mean, you know, when I don't want to be sitting there wishing that I wish I would have took that trip and not got to experience something, see something new and, uh, you know, just have a cool new story and add something to my life chapters or whatever you want to say. And, and that's what it seems like when, you know, when I'm talking with people like yourself and other people who've went down these, these paths in life, that's kind of what seems to be a common theme is that, you know, you set out, you take a journey, whether it be by yourself or with whoever, and you learn along the way and you find out a little bit about yourself and, you know, you learn what you like and learn what you didn't like. And, you know, and you take the pearls and gems and make something of it, man. And you just, and, and if, if it doesn't work out, then cool. You got at least a story to tell and something, something to go off of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I kind of ran a little bit on that, but I, I, but I love stuff like that, man. And, and I wish I would have had this type of mindset when I was younger and, and growing up, especially like, you know, in high school and college and just not thinking about me at the time and actually thinking about, you know, life around me, what's going on, you know, and just not wor- worrying about myself and living in that moment, you know, like taking it all in, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's kind of human nature. And, and unfortunately, I think we start to change, you know, sadly, um, as we experience loss, you know. Sure. 
as you know, and unfortunately you start to experience more loss, the older you get, you know, as, and you're kind of reflecting on your own mortality and that sort of thing. And, you know, again, I don't think a lot of people at a young age, um, understand it unless they lose someone dear to them at a very young age, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Um, you know, so, but by the same token, I think that's just all part of us growing as, as human beings, you know, and, and again, being able to look back and say, man, I wish, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, I was on another podcast a couple of weeks ago and, um, at the end that the host had asked me if, you know, there was anything that I would change about, you know, my journey so far. And I was like, honestly, I wouldn't because, you know, the good things that have happened to me and the bad things that have happened to me are all part of what made me who I am today. Yeah. You no. Know? So I'm, I'm not going to sit back and say, I wish I did this, this way, this way. I've made mistakes, you know, probably more than the average guy. <laughs> um, but again, those were all, you know, lessons for me as well. You know, and, and I think that's when, when you're not learning over those mistakes and those failures, I think that's when you stop growing as a person. That's a perfect way to say it, man. You know, and, yeah, if you're not learning from what you just you've done in life, I mean, nobody lives a perfect life, and everybody has everybody has problems, you know. And it's kind of what you said; it just matters how you handle those problems and what you do with it. And and if you have a fixed mindset and that's how you want to live your life and just think things the way they are because that's the way they are, then if you're happy, that's fine. But yeah, I mean, that's my biggest thing too is like you know when I've made mistakes and I'm going to make mistakes. Like you said, it's humans, you know, I've learned from them and. You learn to grow from it and you learn to do something better with it. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's wild to me that, that some people stay in a certain mindset and they don't want to try something new or take a chance on something. And, you know, and everyone's afraid of failing, you know I mean? It's part of it. Like you like you're saying, it's human nature. It is, you know, I don't like to fail and I always want to win, of course. And, and I don't want to look like an idiot or a fool out there doing something, but it, it's, part of and it's part of the process you know like you were talking about trusting the process and that's if you have a goal in life and if you want to go to get to that goal or get to that goal in some form or fashion of another then there's going to be bumps and bridges on the way you know it's just like what you said with the iceberg about the thing of you know you see everyone sees like the cool stuff at the top but below it what were you actually going through to get there and when you get there yeah it's a great feeling and it's kind of a sense of very satisfying and you know, learning that you can do stuff and make the world better than when you left it. And, you know, just a whole new sense of, I don't know what you want to call it, freedom or whatever, but it's a, it's amazing feeling, you know, and that's something I'm so working on myself and I know it's not going to happen overnight, but you know, if I keep following smart decisions and making the best of things and, you know, not trying to stay set in my ways, but learning to grow and, you know, take a chance on something, then boom, hopefully it's a little magic will happen for you. That's right. So, that's right no doubt about that but how is it you know i want to talk to you about your dog you know i know you got a golden retriever i mean how is it traveling with the dogs and everything is that this makes it more fun he he loves it um he loves it as much as my wife and i do um we uh we walk and we hike every opportunity that we get um you know, we've been on some incredible trails with each other since uh since we've started this and we started doing a lot of walking even before we, we left and a lot of hiking out in nature. Um, but now, man, you know, the RV life is a dog's best life for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, he gets out the door and there's just new smells and, 
you know, if we're walking around a campground, you know, he thinks that everybody else in the world has been placed here <laughs> for the sole purpose of petting him. <laughs> He's not a fan of other dogs. So we always got to, you know, got to right. watch that. If we see another dog, we got to start to, to make a detour yeah, to keep him away. Um, but uh, he loves people, man. And uh, it's funny, you know, people come up and they're like, oh, can I, you know, can I pet your dog? Can you know, is, is he friendly? I'm like, yeah, as long as you're not another dog, you're, you're good to go. <laughs> oh yeah. I love it, man. And you know, I, I don't, I've never had a golden retriever, um, but I've always heard they're some of the best dogs that you can have. And just exactly what you said. They think, you know, everybody's their best friend and they're ready to party no matter what, and especially, you know, just a dog getting out there and getting to travel and <clears throat> look at, <clears throat> got choked up there getting to look at the world and, whole new area each time and check it out. Yeah. Like on own little venture themselves. It's gotta be a wild feeling for him. So. He, uh, we weren't sure how he would travel at first because, um, he wasn't great just traveling in a car or a truck, you know, before we started the RV life. So we weren't really sure, you know, how was he going to adapt to, you know, to doing this. And, you know, we tried a couple things early on thinking maybe if my wife sat in the back on the couch that maybe he would just hop up there with her and, and relax and, you know, think that, Hey, it's just our house is moving down the road now. Um, but that drove him crazy. He'd go, you know, up to me in the driver's seat, back to her. He's back and forth the whole time. And then finally, uh, one time she just got in the front seat and she's like, look, he's, he's going to have to figure it out. You know, he's going to have to figure it out. And we started down the road and he came down, sat right in between us and was like, this is the way it is. This <laughs> is perfect. I got my one human on my left, my other human on the right, uh-huh. and we're on the move. This is <laughs> this is the best life we can have. And that's pretty much where he, you know, he'll spend you know, 90% of the time that we're driving. He is right in between the two of us. And he'll, I don't know how he does it because he's not a small dog, but he'll, you know, he'll lay down in between the two seats, kind of curl up in a ball if he gets tired. Um, every once in a great while he'll go back and lay on the couch. Like if it's a long travel day and we're, you know, we're driving for four or five hours, it might be like, Hey, you guys got this under control. <laughs> go take a nap. Don't forget my snack later on. You know, <laughs> we're good. Um, but he, he absolutely loves it. And he really, uh, you know, he, he adds to the whole experience. I mean, one of my, um, you know, I actually do a blog that's written as though it's, being written by him from his perspective. And it's really a lot of fun for me to, to write that. And I'm actually working on a children's book that's being written from his perspective nice. as well. So it's, it's a little bit different style of writing for me. It lets me dig into my creativity differently than normal. Um, but it, it's really enjoyable um, doing those for sure. You know, do you have a goal set out in mind for traveling? I mean, is it to hit all the 50 states or, you know, I had on my bucket list to actually try to visit every major stadium that I can, you know, until the day I die. I mean, is that what one of y'all's things is or y'all are just kind of just seeing where life takes you? Yeah, it's, uh, we definitely want to get to all the states. I mean, obviously can't get an RV to Hawaii. So, uh, and I, and I hate to fly. Um, so I don't know that we'll ever get to Hawaii. We definitely want to get up into Alaska um, you know, through Canada and stuff. But so, you know, the 49 that we can drive to are definitely on the list, um, but not really in any particular order. Um, gotcha. You know, we're hoping maybe in two years we'll we'll be able to get up to Alaska just because that's a, a summer where we don't have a grandkid graduating. So <laughs> we had one graduate um, 
this year we have one graduate. Well, we had two graduating this year. We got one graduating next year, and then we have a year off before the next one graduates. So we're thinking that uh, 2024 will be the year that we can, you know, get up there. Because obviously, you know, I, I want to get up there during June, where you know, you got like 22 hours of daylight. Like that, just like I can't even fathom what that's like to be, you know, walking around at 11 o'clock at night and it's still daylight out. Like that's just one of the things that for whatever reason just intrigues me as to how that even works, you know? <laughs> so, you know, so definitely, uh, you know, again, that's the plan. But, you know, the great thing about this is that, you know, we can always be fluid in our, in our plan. So we really don't, um, you know, look out too far in advance as to, you know, what's on the schedule. Um, you know, so we can always make adjustments and, and be fluid if we have to. Yeah, that's that's always nice. It's just to go at it your own pace and be like like you said, just be fluid with it. You know, and you got you got kind of a goal in mind, but you don't have to do it from detail from point A to point B in order for it to work. So, but yeah, I, you know, like I said, when somebody asked me to make a bucket list one time, that was one of my things: just try to visit you know every major stadium that I could. It was also like, oh, I'm also you know seeing new cities at the same time. I was like, man, that would be so cool just to actually go sit and, you know, enjoy the game, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, and just check out the history there. And, you know, for example, you know, for work, I went to a conference in Boston um, three, two, three years ago, four years ago. It was before COVID. But, you know, we got up there and I forgot when we went, but Fenway was not even open then, but they let us go walk around it and stuff. And I was like, all right, you know, good enough for me. But then we got to go over to uh, – see what the Celtics play now. and But we couldn't go inside, but it's just walking around. It's like, man, I wish I could go inside. But, it's like, but it was still cool, man, just to actually walk through the city and check out everything at the same time and just seeing the history and seeing what little things they have on the outside and just where it was and say I've been there. That was uh, that meant a lot to me for some reason. Like, I really enjoyed stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah it's it's definitely just part of the whole experience is, is seeing, you know, seeing those things that, you know, you wouldn't, necessarily see otherwise you know and i mean people ask us all the time like you know what's what's been your favorite spot so far yeah. and we just can't name it you know we can't name it we we'll try to say well i'll give you the top five and we'll list five and they're like oh but this place was really cool too so maybe that should be in the top five i mean and that's what i mean from what i said earlier that i mean this country has so much beauty to offer um and you know i i just think that you know the american way that that we've come accustomed to is to you know go to college and get a job and you know buy a house and stay in one spot your whole life i'm just not sure we have it you know we have it right you know yeah. I, I think the the native americans might have had uh, a better grip on that by just you know constantly being nomads and and being on the move all the time is it's just like i said it's so fulfilling um seeing all the different things that we've seen so far yeah you know that's that's one thing that i've said on here countless times too that i kind of have a problem with that uh you know that was kind of what was ingrained on me was you know to after high school go to college get a job and just kind of work your 30 years until you know you retire and go drink margaritas on a beach or whatever and and like i'm slowly i don't know if it was covid or where i got the you know where life came to a halt and i actually got to 
got to stop and reflect on myself a little bit and reflect on where my life has been and if it's going the way I wanted it to. And it was kind of one of those things that, you know, am I going, am I happy? I mean, is this where I saw myself, you know, and when I was, you know, 10 years ago, did I plan on still being in the same spot, you know, and then, you know, it's like, man, you know, and then, you know, I hit 36 this year and it's like, well, how much have I really done, you know, as far as traveling and seeing, you know, what's out there rather than just, you know, I'm right here in Virginia. So seeing what else is out there other than just Virginia. So when I've gotten these opportunities to be able to go somewhere, um, you know, I was like, I got to jump on it. You know, for example, when was it last month? I went to Gettysburg up, up your way and, you know, I'm not a history buff or anything, but I said, well, I got an opportunity. Let's go check it out and see at least what it's about. And, you know, I mean, it was cool. I liked it, you know, but it, you know, we like, if I, I think if I was more of a history buff, I would have gotten more out of it, but it was one of those things that even so that I'm glad I went and I got to see it for myself and walk through the museum, the museum and see some of the battlefields and, you know, I got my own review of it and, yeah, and I'm glad I do it. So, yeah, it's one of these things I got to look for more. When I see or feel these opportunities coming up, I want to snatch them and get after it, you know? Yeah, and I and I highly recommend that. And, you know, and, and I think that's important that, you know, again, even though you weren't, you know, a big history buff, that you still decided you wanted to, you know, go and experience it as well, because you can still learn from that. And, you know, we, we've been, like I said, we, we were up at Woodstock, um, and early on in our, in our journey. And that was so cool. Um, you know, just going to the Woodstock museum and, and understanding how the festival took place and exactly. all the moving parts of it and stuff like that. And, you know, so many things like that, that we, um, you know, been able to experience when we, when we were in Memphis, um, you know, and again, just, you know, I'm, I'm a big, you know, in addition to sports, I was always, you know, just a big, you know, connoisseur of, of music and all kinds of music. So Memphis was, was super cool. And, you know, like we went to Graceland and I tell people this, like I was never like a huge Elvis Presley fan at all. Sure. Um, but like we went to Graceland and I just gained such a huge amount of respect for him as an artist after we went to Graceland, you know, they had this exhibit there called uh, icons of rock and roll. Um, and it was just uh, an exhibit of, you know, I mean, there are probably close to a hundred different artists in this exhibit that talked about how much Elvis influenced their own musical career. And I'm talking like everywhere from, you know, Toby Keith and Blake Shelton to, Bruce Springsteen and Cheryl Crow to like Kiss, who like, who would ever think that, you know, the band Kiss was influenced by Elvis Presley, you know, and, sure. and Kid Rock and stuff like that. So it was really, you know, I just gained a huge amount of respect that, you know, he really did earn the title King of Rock and Roll. Um, but my old self may have said, you know, ah, I don't want to go into Graceland because I'm not a big Elvis guy. You know, I'm just not going to do it, but I'm so happy that we did. And you know, my wife, the same way, she wasn't a big Elvis fan, but it was just so cool to go and, and do that experience. Yeah. Well, Dan, I think she would take it home on that right there. You know, yeah. um, if people want to find the books, they want to find your podcast. If you want to plug anything, feel free to do it right there. Yeah. Um, just go to my website, which is uh, journeymymotherson.com or danclauser.com. They both go to the exact same landing page and everything that uh, 
you know, that you need to find out about me is there. My blogs are there, links to buy my books, uh, whether it's an autographed copy directly from me can be ordered there or uh, you, it'll take you to Amazon uh, to order to order order a unsigned copy as well. Um, you know, anybody looking to um, reach out to me for speaking engagements or um, consulting services or anything like that, all that information is on the website. So that really will um, give you all the information you need to know about me um, from there. Books, blogs, everything you need to know is uh, is right there. And of course, um, Ukes, Ukes blogs as well from from the dog. You can, you can spend <laughs> spend some time reading his blogs as well. He would enjoy that. Wait, is that his name, Uke? Yeah, he's named after Kevin Euclid. I'll so. give it a- <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. Okay. Yeah, when I remember you saying a Red Sox fan when you said Uke, I was like, wait, let me put that together. Okay, cool. Cool, man. Uh, Dan, this is great, man. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the time for sure. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. All right, everybody, we're out of here. Good night. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.